Hi, I'm Steve Goldstein, and this is the Friday Newscap Podcast. Each week, we review the biggest stories with experts, reporters, and commentators to put the news in perspective. Here's this week's episode. I have the advantage of having served in the legislature and at an executive level in statewide office. Uh, So I understand how government works, and I'm ready to provide a steady hand of leadership that's going to continue to steer our state in the right direction. We can't have uh, truly some of the, I call them terrorists in the environmental movement, trying to control our businesses. They're okay. Dropping businesses here, killing businesses here, and sending them over to China. And they're fine with them polluting over there. You can't debate a conspiracy theorist. Um, And at the last debate, she brought the conversation back to the 2020 election no less than a dozen times. Um, So when she decides to come back to reality and accept the results of our free and fair elections, then we can start to have a real policy debate. This is really an appeal to Governor Newsom to show real leadership. Uh, This is a case where we can only solve our long-term water challenges if we work together as teammates. All of the basin states that are impacted by this 22-year drought, the worst drought in 1,200 years in our area. Now with us to talk about Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake taking questions separately and not debating at a Chamber of Commerce event, Congressman Greg Stanton criticizing fellow Democrat, California Governor Gavin Newsom, and more. Our Chip Skatari of Skatari and Sislak, welcome back. Great to be here. And David Lujan, President and CEO of Children's Action Alliance. David, good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you. And David, we're going to start with you because is Katie Hobbs going to agree to a debate? And from your point of view, is she right to think that a debate with Carrie Lake is going to be pointless? Well, I understand where she's coming from. It's not like Carrie Lake wants to have a vigorous debate of their differences on policy positions. She wants to have this debate to create chaos. She wants to try and do a a gotcha moment of Katie Hobbs where she can capture something and then get a soundbite that's going to be harmful and then run it over and over again in commercials. And so I can understand that. But, you know, I I also think it's going to be important for Katie to, to get out there and and, and let people know who she is. And I, I, you know, she, I think, is obviously, I think, the strongest candidate. And I think she needs to contrast, you know, that she has a vision for Arizona's future compared to, you know, the extreme positions that we're seeing from Carrie Lake. So she's going to have to find a way to do that if she's not going to debate. Chip, what do you make of that strategy at this point by Hobbs? Uh, this whole debate issue, first of all, for me, is not a partisan issue. It's a campaign logistics issue. And in honor of the Cardinals season opener... <laughs> Um, I'll throw in a football uh, <laughs> term. Pre- she, Katie Hobbs is playing the prevent defense, <laughs> which is usually not a good thing. It means you're playing not to lose. You, you're soft on defense. And I think uh, after covering two gubernatorial campaigns for the uh, Arizona Republic, when the story lingers like this, for now I think it's in its third week, it's bad for a campaign, especially in a toss-up race like this. So, um, you know, my advice to the Hobbs campaign, which they probably won't listen to, but I'll say it anyway on public (laughs) radio, is do the debate. I mean, there'll be low expectations for Katie, who I think can help more than hold her own. Two of the biggest issues in this campaign cycle are secure and democracy elections and the abortion, uh, the Roe versus Wade being overturned. So those are going to play in her favor. Um, And then I think her, you know, her campaign saying, oh, you know, Carrie Lake will be name calling and she'll do this. Well, Katie Hobbs did not debate Marco Lopez, her primary opponent. So that kind of throws that out the window. So I would say the Hobbs campaign 
Carrie Lake is not Winston Churchill, Ronald Reagan, or Barack <laughs> Obama, you know, and let her talk about the 2020 elections and sound a little off the rails. And so I, I don't know why, but the way it's lingering, this has happened in other close campaigns. And now it's kind of there's a Venn diagram. This issue was an in, political insider issue. It's now spilling over into a mainstream issue, which is a problem for her campaign. Yeah, Chip, I wanted to ask you about that because we talked about this on the newscap last week. We're talking about it today. I suspect we'll be talking about it next Friday as well as the, the deadline for the two campaigns to potentially come up with an agreement comes near. How bad is it for Katie Hobbs that this is what people, at least some people, are talking about? And also, is she giving like is she giving Carrie Lake a, a talking point for her campaign going forward? Yeah, she is. I mean, if you look at what uh, Senator Mark Kelly has done, he's agreed to debate his Republican opponent, Blake Masters. Um, you know, he has a lot of money, so he's constantly on the air, usually targeted to suburban women. Um, so, yeah, this is probably the third, maybe fourth week we've been having this discussion. If I'm Katie Hobbs' campaign today, I do a one-sentence you know, text or like a Michael Jordan thing, I'm in, and that's it, and put it to rest. The debate is not until October 12th. Early ballots are already out by then. So a lot of some people have voted. Uh, I say just do it. And I'm just saying that from a campaign logistics, not as a partisan. David, has has the Hobbs campaign, though, backed itself into a corner a little bit in terms of saying we're not going to debate under the the rules that were originally proposed? We don't want this to be chaos. We don't want a lot of name calling. Like, is there a way, even if if the Hobbs campaign at this point wants to debate, is there a way that they can do it without just saying, "Okay, fine, we'll do it? I think so. I mean, I think it's I, I agree with Chip to the extent that her sort of avoiding the debate has now become the narrative. And so I, I think it's important for her to come out and and to say, yes, I'm going to do this. And I, I think if she does do it, it will you know very easily contrast, as I said, the extreme positions that Carrie Lake is taking to, I think, a much stronger vision that Katie has for our future. And, you know, I uh, at least what I would like to see if, if Katie decides not to debate is one of the things that um, I saw at the chamber event that she did this week is not only she, – she was on stage, but then she left immediately after and didn't talk to the media, which I think there is an opportunity where she could be you know, at least getting her, her message out and explaining why she doesn't want to debate you know, Carrie Lake in those situations. Yeah, Chip, follow up on that because that did strike a lot of people how she just – just left immediately, almost didn't want to hear anything Carrie Lake had to say. But also, David's point's a good one. Why not talk to the press for a few minutes and then leave? Yeah, I was surprised. I saw a, a clip, I think it was on Twitter, where her advanced person kind of blocked a, a TV camera so she can get through. And um, it just seems like she's avoiding, you know, talking to the media about issues, uh, which is not good in this stage of the campaign. And also, you know, one of the key voting blocks this cycle is suburban women. Uh, in Maricopa County. She could be speaking to them. I think most women, I won't speak for all of them, but you know, I, very, I live with a very smart, savvy, politically <laughs> astute woman. And I think they want to see Katie Hobbs up there standing on her own, just talking about what she believes in, talking about how she secured the election here or helped secure the election in 2020. That's uh, one of the top issues as well. Um, so I think... Uh, but that's their campaign strategy, kind of like the Muhammad Ali rope-a-dope strategy, like I'm going to wait, I'm going to run out the clock. And maybe they're brilliant by doing that, but um, right now it looks a little um, maybe not the best course of action. Chip, we're going to have you back for the sports cap next yes. week. Yes, more, <laughs> that's too analogies. I got to do it for you. David, it's a, little, it's a little different because obviously we're already in the general election, but 
I want to ask you what your thoughts are just generally about a contested primary, as it were. Obviously, Katie Hobbs is running against Marco Lopez. Aaron Lieberman was in there for a while. But she did make the point that she didn't debate Lopez either. Some people are of the opinion that that sort of gives you a little bit the calluses, that you, you've sort of fought through a little bit more. She obviously has one statewide office. She's very experienced. But could she have used a little bit of that? And is that affecting maybe how she's approaching Carrie Lake? We know Carrie Lake is a different sort of person, but could she have used a little bit of practice against Marco Lopez? Yeah, perhaps. And, you know, the bottom line is, you know, the majority of Arizona voters do not watch these <laughs> debates. Let's be honest. I mean, they don't, you know, and so, you know, it, but it's becoming that narrative where most Arizonans are starting to hear that she's not she's not um, participating in those. So that's what you don't want to happen is you don't want that narrative to be getting out there beyond sort of the insider's um you know, perspective. And so I think she could have, um, you know, debated Marco and I think it would have helped. Um, but yeah, again, I think it's just a matter of she needs to get out there more and let people hear from her. I, I would, I agree with David that most normal people don't watch gubernatorial debates like David and I and you guys. <laughs> but I will say in 2018, I believe when Kirsten Cinema debated Martha McSally, um, I think uh, that was on PBS, but I think 87,000 households tuned in. Mm. And I think it said to a lot of moderate Republicans, okay, we can vote for cinema. Now, it wasn't the only thing, but I think it helped put her over the hump. So these things can be a determining factor. Most times they aren't. They're, they're, they're done and you forget about them, you know. But um, just wanted to throw that in that it could, you know, this right now it's playing out that Carrie Lake's going to destroy Katie Hobbs. Just if she goes there, holds her own, you know, is fine, does fine, which she probably will, um, that would be the story. And it's over, you yeah. know, so. And David, when you talk about, you know, the number of people who, who watch it, I wonder if maybe these days it's maybe more important, the, sort of the viral clips that come out of it. I think Chip referenced having, you know, uh, Carrie Lake maybe wanted to get Hobbs in a gotcha moment that she can use in ads. But it would seem as though there's that opportunity potentially for, for Katie Hobbs as well, right, to get a clip that either makes her look good or makes Lake look bad that she could use on social media, maybe use in an ad, use somewhere else other than just for people who watch the debate. It works both ways. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, um, I, I think Carrie Lake is much more prone to say something that is going to be off the walls and and, and that's going to be something that, you know, Katie could use and capture. And so um, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that she should consider. I also think it's interesting that if, if Katie doesn't debate and they do a, a 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it is with just Carrie Lake, that actually to some extent hurts Carrie as well because – she is looking to have Katie on stage with her so she can you know, create this chaos. But if she doesn't, then she has to talk more about her policy positions, I would assume. It's going to be harder for her to just you know, attack Katie, I would think, without her there on stage. So I don't know. There's, there's that aspect of it but, as well. David, did you just say Carrie Lake would say something off the wall? I just can't believe you said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we heard in the clip on the, you know, the, the teaser to start the show that she was calling some people environmental terrorists. And then she called Phoenix Mayor Kate Gallego... Um, a socialist. Um, so basically, every sounds like every Democratic mayor in the state was a socialist. Right. Okay. Right um, so it would be a entertaining debate at, at the very least. And like David said, there'll be gotcha moments both ways. All right. So Chip, look into your crystal ball for a minute. Do you think we ultimately get a debate with the two of them? My heart says yes. My mind, my political mind, being a pragmatist, probably says no. But um, I think it'd be great for everyone involved. David, what do you think? I don't think we will. Um, but, you know, 
Katie is getting out there. She's you know going to a lot of events. So I think that's going to be her approach. She's going to just try and get out or cross the state as much as she can and, and, and avoid the debates is my, my thought. David, with uh, the chamber event, obviously there's a specific audience one is playing to there. Surprised at all uh, what Katie Hobbs had to say about not raising taxes and the tactics she approached on that. Obviously, this falls into the all Democrats want to raise taxes. All Republicans want to cut taxes. Obviously, not exactly 100 percent true by any means. But was that an important approach for her to, to sort of appeal to those moderate Republicans, Chip has mentioned? Um, I suppose, but I think a much better approach and what most Arizonans, moderate Republicans, independents, Democrats would like to see is, you know, we have been cutting taxes in this state for 30 years. Every year at the legislature, they have cut taxes. And so she could contrast the way that she wants to govern and say, particularly these last two years where Republicans have had total control at the state capitol, they had the largest revenue surplus in state history. They could have invested in making housing more affordable, child care, those types of things. But instead, they had the biggest tax cuts in state history for the richest Arizonans. So she could say, you know, if I'm a governor, I'm going to when we have those opportunities, I'm going to invest in our communities, invest in our people. She didn't have she doesn't have to raise taxes, but she's going to take a different approach than what we've seen from the Republicans. Chip briefly before the break. So she's trying to appeal to the moderate Republicans. But yes, I mean, David and and the Democrats might be saying, wait a second, if you're if you're governor, you're not going to be bold enough to actually counter what Republicans have been doing. So that puts her in a sticky spot, doesn't it? Yeah, I think she was trying her campaign and that uh, she's just trying to quell concerns of bi- the business community, the business Republicans um, to put them at ease. I think she knows she has Democrats looking for to pick up that independent voting block and maybe some moderate Republicans. So, um, you know, her campaign will decide what she messages she's going to use. But I think she just wanted to make sure Republicans know, hey, when I'm governor, you know, businesses aren't going to leave the state. I'm not going to tax you to oblivion. Um, was that a mistake or not? I don't know. I think she wanted just to get through that uh, Arizona Chamber event and sound like a, a moderate voice on business issues. Okay. That's Chip Scatari. Also here is David Lujan with Mark Brody in Phoenix. I'm Steve Goldstein. Hey, Chip, we brought up the uh, Chamber event from this week, and I want to ask you about uh, Carrie Lake's, uh, what she had to say at that event. And at least a couple of the accounts of it that I read mentioned that she did not talk about the 2020 election, that she really sort of stayed on script, as it were. Are we seeing signs potentially of Carrie Lake maybe pivoting a little bit to more of a general election, trying to appeal to beyond just her base and just election deniers? I would say it's a partial pivot. It's not a full term pivot because she was at a, I think, a church in Mesa over the weekend, um, kind of uh, criticizing in a very mean, uh, mean spirited way uh, immigrants from Mexico. So I think when she's probably prepped for an event that she knows. Uh, people will be at like the Arizona Chamber event, then she is probably trying to portray a softer, uh, more moderate tone. Um, but she's still on the stump, has the ability or, or penchant to um, be more Trumpian. So I think it's a, a part-time pivot depending on the audience. She would be wise to um, pivot in a full-time direction and not talk about 2020 and talk about um, the economy and jobs and what she's going to do for the state. And I'm a little surprised she has not said, I will build on Governor Ducey's economy 
for you know so you know we have diversified our economy in the last 10 years um, we have more tech jobs. We have, you know, Intel's investing, electric vehicles, and that's a big Republican issue, um, big job issue. And I haven't heard her speak to that. Maybe she is, and I'm not hearing it. But I would think that would be a winning issue, and that's winning territory for a Republican like Carrie Lake. David, we heard Carrie Lake after she won the primary say that she would not stop talking, for example, about the 2020 election. Would you agree that with Chip that this is sort of a, a part way pivot? And, and maybe do you think this is as far as she is willing or able to pivot? I think it is probably as far as she's willing to pivot. Um, you know, she did, as Trump, uh, Chip alluded to, that she she came out this week and um, kind of followed the Trump playbook in, in talking about uh, you know, very racist comments, in my opinion, about immigrants. And, and I think that is that's who Carrie Lake is and that that's her platform. And so I think it's going to be very hard for her to shift to a more moderate tone. But I, again, I think taking it back to our earlier conversation, I think that's why it's important for for Katie Hobbs to be out there and really trying to contrast their positions and trying to bring that out of Carrie Lake to show that this is where she really what she really believes and where she really stands. Um, because otherwise, if she does try to take this like you know, more moderate approach, you know, there's going to be some voters that are going to buy into that. David, we're not sure how many voters actually pay attention to their legislative districts, even though that has a huge impact on what happens. And with redistricting, we're going to see more of that. Is there an argument for Katie Hobbs to make that if Carrie Lake's only able to pivot so much that, you know, I'm going to be the backstop for you? Because if Carrie Lake is the governor and if the legislature is more conservative, you may see more tax cuts. You may see less money devoted to education. Is there something there or is that too much playing on a negative as opposed to positive? I mean, I think you. she needs to do some of that. I think that that's going to get her some votes. There's going to be people that have those fears. Um, but again, I also think, though, it's really important for Katie Hobbs to be telling what her own vision is for how is she going to strengthen our economy? How is she going to bring jobs? And she has a good good plan, but she needs to be able to get out there and, and tell people what it is. I think there's two issues that, you know, Katie Hobbs is leaving on the table. She's talking about a little bit on the periphery. You probably have seen more of her on the stump than I have, David. But, you know, education, we just saw 190 school superintendents ask the legislature to call a special session to lift the expenditure limit. That's a big deal. And then transportation with Prop 400 extension in limbo now. Those are two issues that either candidate could be pouncing on. So those mean a lot to a lot of parents, a lot of families, a lot of uh, commuters. Um, but it seems like those bread and butter issues, you know, back, you know, the horse and buggy days when I covered politics, those would be <laughs> front and center. But now it's these kind of fringy topics. So there's there's a lot of meat on the bones to cover. Yeah, it's. It's a, I think that's a really good point. The, the school expenditure limit, I think, is one, you know, all the new dollars that were put into public education this year are going to be meaningless unless the legislature overrides the school spending limit. And it's, they're going to face over a billion dollars in cuts. You know, Katie Hobbs has come out and says she supports overriding the expenditure limit. I do not believe that Carrie Lake supports that. So that's a contrast that they should be pointing out. And that's going to be a big issue for the next governor. Guys, let's talk about one of the other races, major races on the ballot, that for U.S. Senate. Um, there has been some back and forth between uh, Peter Thiel and Mitch McConnell about who and who is going to be helping to fund Blake Masters' campaign going forward and to what amount. And we saw that uh, one of the super PACs has pulled money out of Arizona. Now we see that a group aligned with Peter Thiel is putting some money into advertising for Arizona. Chip, is is there any, should Republicans be concerned that there won't be the resource? 
resources that Blake Masters needs? Or is this just sort of like a temporary thing trying to figure out logistics? Or is there a real concern that he might not have the money he needs? Well, I think it's a legitimate concern because uh, Senator Kelly is just a fundraising machine. Him and his campaign could give a tutorial on how to raise money without corporate donations. So I'm sure the Blake Masters campaign, they want to be as well-funded as possible to get their message out. And, um, you know, there's been this tussle between the billionaire Peter Thiel and um, Senator Mitch McConnell, the minority leader in the U.S. Senate. So he needs those resources because if you watch TV, whether you're watching a, a Dimebacks game or a, any show, you see Mark Kelly's ads over and over again, and he's hitting that abortion issue. So um, Blake Masters, I know he's going to have a big fundraiser in Paradise Valley pretty soon. That will raise a, a big chunk of change. So he needs to uh, just compete. It's definitely a concern because of Mark Kelly's deep pockets. David, we know that, you know, we keep hearing Mark Kelly raises presidential amounts of money. Um, But between like when push comes to shove and, you know, if the race, assuming the race is close, come, say, October, is there reason to think that between McConnell and Teal and maybe others that they won't put money in to help masters? They may. But, you know, not only is Senator Kelly excellent at fundraising, but then when he uses those dollars to put his ads on commercials, uh, um, I've been really impressed with Senator Kelly's ads, I, I think, and just his campaign in general. I mean, you see television commercials with Republicans talking about how Senator Kelly is, you know, bringing resources to their communities and just working in a bipartisan fashion. That's a that's a winning message. And I think that that is why you're seeing, you know, people reluctant to put in money into Blake Masters' campaign because of his extreme positions that even though he's trying to maybe temper those down now, he's already on record. And and so Senator Kelly is replaying those over and over again. And I think that combined with his uh, money monetary advantage is going to play well. Yeah, I do think this is going to be a close race. I really, I mean, I haven't seen polling recently, but I think it'll be a one or two point race, really? just like okay. a, a cinema McSally race. Maybe, you know, it could tighten. I think it will do that. But for the Republicans, on a, looking on a national scale, coming in you know, three or four months ago, Dem- Democrats would admit they thought they're going to get wiped out. It's going to be a red wave. So the U.S. Senate board has shifted. And now Mitch McConnell and others have to worry about Georgia, Pennsylvania, and losing other seats because there's a chance that the Democrats could pick up two seats. So they have to be careful about where they're spending their money. And if they don't think Blake Masters can do it, they'll use their resources uh, in another state. Yeah. David, let's wrap up our last couple of minutes. Earlier this week, we heard from Congressman Greg Stanton, who wrote a strongly worded letter to California Governor Gavin Newsom. I was struck by the fact that usually Democrats don't attack each other on on issues like this. But this is another thing. You guys talk about huge issues uh, like education, transportation, water, obviously a huge one as well. What did you make of the fact that Congressman Stanton is coming out on this? And if we look back to the, the old days of Arizona, 50s and 60s, Republicans and Democrats were forced to work together. Are we in a time where that could happen on an issue like water again? I think so, and I, I hope so. And I was really glad to see Congressman Stanton write that letter because, you know, California is the largest user of Colorado River water, and but they have done the least to try and uh, conserve those that water. So I think it was a very appropriate letter. Um, I think you saw um, Congressman Lesko, Republican, also follow up with a similar type of letter. And so so I think there's an opportunity where Arizonans and Colorado, you know, people from Colorado, Coloradians, whatever that word is, um, can work together, you know, 
to show that you know we need to work together in on this issue. And California, we all need to step up and do our part. And that's what I think he's trying to say in his letter. This is one of those rare issues where Republicans and Democrats can bash our friends in California. You know, it's, bi- it's a bipartisan school. Well, no one wants to live there, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they can both say don't California or Arizona. But, you know, Congressman Stanton, I'm, he's looking out for his constituents. And so is Debbie Lesko. Um, and it's it's a legitimate issue. So I, I do think we'll see some bipartisanship on this issue because water is for fighting for, as they say. So, yeah. Chip, from a, a practical standpoint, do you think the governor of California cares what a couple of members of Congress from Arizona <laughs> write to him about water? Uh, absolutely not. But <laughs> it makes for good copy. And, um, you know, but I don't think, you know, I, a lot of times Arizonans love to, to, to blast California. And I don't know if Governor Newsom really cares, but um, on the water issue, it's going to come to the forefront. And I know they have a lot of political power with Nancy Pelosi being the House Speaker and, um, you know, just a huge state and the ninth largest economy in the world. But um, this water issue, there will be some heavy duty fighting over the next, you know, two, five, 10, 20 years because it's a critical, critical issue for us here in Arizona. David, would you imagine that maybe while the letter is the public facing discussion here, is it safe to say that there maybe are discussions going on behind the scenes between representatives from not necessarily political officials, maybe water officials, others from Arizona, California, other states that are actually like trying to be collegial and and get something done? Yeah, I'm sure there is. And I think that's that's probably, you know, as Chip said, Governor Newsom probably is not paying much attention to the letter, but I think it raises the issue and I think it brings attention to it. So I think I think those conversations probably are happening. And I'm guessing none of the four of us spent any time in San Diego over the summer. So we don't like <laughs> California at all. David Lujano, Children's Action Alliance, Chip Scutari, Scutari, Sislak. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. You've been listening to the Friday Newscap from KJZZ's The Show. It's an original podcast recapping the week's big stories with experts, commentators, and reporters. You can get the full show podcast at podcast.kjzz.org. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at the show at kjzz.org. I'm Steve Goldstein, and thanks for listening.